0: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Podcasting the ins and outs of digital video. Digital digital? video. Video. This this is the DV Show. The DV Show. Welcome to another edition of the DV Show. The only podcast dedicated to answering your questions related to digital video. We have listener tips, special guests, and experts come on the show. We do it all here if it's going to make you more productive as hobbyist or a professional. If you're completely stumped or just need advice, we're here to help.
1: You can interact
2: and get your questions answered or just listen and learn. We answer everything from simple camcorder questions to complex technical issues in dealing with audio and
0: video production issues and problems. And now, here is your host. Brian, welcome to a very special edition of the DV Show. Now this week we're going to put down our cameras, put away the questions, and take off our hats as we start the show off by honoring some fallen videographers who risked their lives and lost their lives to get that shot on September 11th.
1: Obviously a very disturbing live shot there, that is the World Trade Center and we have unconfirmed reports this morning that a plane has crashed into one of the towers of the World Trade Center.
2: The plane was coming in, I, I noticed it a second before it hit the building. It looked like it, it was moving slowly and it lined itself up to hit the building directly. The doorman goes to me, oh, wow i never seen a plane flying so low. And we, we looked out at it, all of a
0: sudden, boom, it, it seemed like it wasn't even real.
2: Completely in one side and out the other. It just or disappeared, it disappeared like, like a bad special
0: effect. The best we can tell, wow, well, we just had another view of the second plane going in. Four videographers that distinguished themselves with their efforts following the terrorist attacks on September 11, 2001, deserve some recognition three United States Air Force videographers who shot the video in the moments after the Pentagon attack were Tech Sergeant Robert Stenberg, videographer, 11th Communications Squadron, US Air Force. He was the lead videographer at the Pentagon on the morning of September 11, 2001. Stenberg was the first videographer at the scene less than five minutes after the hijacked Boeing 757 airplane crashed into the southwest area of the Pentagon. He continued to shoot despite repeated warnings that there were more hijackers that might be on the way. We also honor Tech Sergeant Thomas Tawowski, aerial videographer and Staff Sergeant David Barlow, videographers, both members of the 1st Combat Camera Squadron, U.S. Air Force, stationed at Charleston Air Force Base in Charleston, South Carolina. We remember New York City Police Department videographer who also died while covering the World Trade Center attack, Glenn Pettit, who worked with the New York Police Department Commissioner's Office, Video Unit. He was videotaping the destruction at the World Trade Center and was lost when the second tower collapsed on him. The 30-year-old officer also served as a volunteer firefighter with two fire departments. The DV Show now takes time to honor these men. Stay on the cutting edge with the TV Show. The DV Show. News videographers are the eyes and ears of the modern world. Through their efforts, anyone with a television set may see and hear images from wars, riots, natural disasters, and other major news stories, often as these events are unfolding. Although satellites easily bounce microwave information from war zones to our living rooms, these images don't come as easily to the camera and sound operators in the field. At best, their job is demanding. At worst, it's dangerous. Sometimes it may even be tragic, as those covering a news event fall among its victims. Now with us today on the DV Show is documentary filmmaker Alan LeBeau he's going to take us into his account of keeping it professional during the most horrific event in U.S. history. Alan, thanks for willing to participate in a phone interview with us here on the DV Show. Now let's go back and actually find out what got you into video. How did you get started in this business?
2: Well, you know, I'm I'm from a media family. My uh, grandfather worked for RCA. He was one of the guys that invented color TV. He worked for a team at RCA. And, wow. um, my father was a lighting director on a lot of shows. I don't know how old you are, but probably before your time. Yes. Naked City was one of them. And, uh, it was one of the first cop shows. Great show. If I had the money, I'd buy the whole series. Wow. Um, Patty Duke Show, you know that. Yes,
0: I do remember that.
2: lighting director on that. And, um, bunch of other shows. You worked with uh, Peter Falk. One of his first cop shows. It was called Trials of O'Brien. Yes. It was before Columbo and all that stuff. They were great shows back then. Yes. In fact, a lot of the Naked Cities were black and white. Yes. So I grew up in the business. I mean, I was on the set with Patty when I was a kid. I mean, that's where I lived pretty much. I was there, you know. Awesome. I was very uh, rebellious, though, and I wanted to be. I had a very strong musical. Dent, I guess, mm. and uh, so I did a lot of music, and eventually I got. I was in the in the West Coast. There was, I wrote I wrote and produced a um, musical with a friend of mine, and we came back to New York to try to sell it, which I never did. And it's it's pretty good. I'd love to do something with it one day. But I met Geraldo Rivera, and we um, <laughs> used to hang out and i got into the film business and i my dad at the time was uh, the movie business was slow he was working uh, at abc at the time lighting for their news so i got in there started doing news became a journalist because i found i was working with Geraldo and uh, i was on on the road all the time i was away nine months out of the year and I, it was before 2020 we were doing stuff, and it became 2020, and we were shooting all over the world, you know. I couldn't do that as a musician. I was mm. in homes of weird people all over the place. I mean, it was so interesting
1: that yeah.
2: it just took over. So I tried to keep doing some music. I've done some, you know, over the whole time. But I really got involved in, uh, although I came from a, a more theatrical background, I got very involved as a journalist and did that for a long, long time. Hmm. So I did a lot of documentaries, a yeah, lot of yeah. documentaries, I, networks.
0: And I see all here. Other stuff. I see here. You've uh, you've uh, worked with Mel Streep, Harrison Ford, Mike Nichols. Yeah, I did
2: it. I met. I worked with a lot of people. I I wish I could even remember half the people I worked with.
0: Because <laughs> there's so many of them.
2: So many of them, and I, um, you know, I, um, I I spent a week with George Burns.
0: Oh, that must have been and very interesting.
2: It was awesome. He was just one of the nicest gentlemen. I was with him, so it was all behind the scenes. And when he would meet people, you know, we'd have meetings and, and things. One guy gave him this huge, like, two-foot-long cigar. <laughs> I and mean, He must have gotten a million of those in his lifetime. Oh, yeah. I mean, Train he was mark. gracious. He was gracious to everybody he met. He was never snippy. He was just a gentleman all the time. And I've been with a lot of other people that didn't match his tenure, and they were morons. They were nasty, and they were just, you know, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've been with a lot of people, and it's it's interesting. I couldn't have done that as a musician, although I, it kills me that uh, I'm not playing anymore much, but uh, so it goes, you know.
0: Well, you've done a lot of stuff. Now, Alan, let's fast forward a little bit here yeah. to September 11. Everybody knows the day, uh, the infamous day. Now, you were there, and with all of these productions that you did over the years, all these happy times and, and maybe some sad times along the way, Now, would you say this was the most challenging when you were on the scene on September eleventh? Was this the most challenging or the most unforgettable?
2: It was the most... I, I would say, yeah. I, I would say emotionally challenging, obviously. I mean, I've covered a lot of news stories where, you know, for, you know, people on the floor uh, from a fire and it was just sad and a cop got um, acid thrown in his face. I mean, those are all horrible things. Mm. But on the, on, the, on its magnitude, this was the most mixed emotional situation because there was anguish, there was hate, there was pain, there was unanswered questions. I mean, you were angry and you were practically in tears mm. at the same time, you know, it's, it yeah. wasn't just like there was a fire and people died, it was an act, you know, and and it was uh, such a mix of emotions, that's, that's why it was so challenging, mm. I was shooting Beta SP, which I thought was a waste of time, um, it was very heavy, although I'm used to the camera, and I've shot probably millions of I know, tapes on other things. I walk I walked around with another guy who carried the extra batteries and tripod and tape and stuff. And I was handheld or on tripod for eight, ten hours a day. Oh. And um I wanted to do a uh a different format. I I would have had much more flexibility with mini D V or something like that and I thought it was much better, but it was contracted that way.
0: Now, why why did you use tape? I mean, uh, I mean that was probably was, the only technology was, at the time. But
2: no, no, I was just contracted that way. That's what they wanted to use. What the company had, and it's it, it was another. It was a political situation, I thought, and uh, I try to you know throw my two cents in. But uh, the company had the equipment. They got the contract using the equipment. It was all rental for them. Hmm. The company that actually got the contract to shoot that stuff and hired me to do it must have made a fortune. I'm wow. using old equipment, but that's another story okay <laughs>
0: Now you mentioned a x d cam on your website, which is probably what you use now, right?
2: That's what I use yes
0: okay, now that's pretty much environment proof right that camera
2: The camera is um i think very underrated on the east coast i most of my work that I get, whether it comes from the west Coast or Europe or, or Australia or somewhere else um the camera is um it's got an amazing front end to it the, the camera head itself. It's uh, Digibeta on steroids, mm. and um, it takes a proprietary disc, which is in a case, so you never touch it. And we've tried swinging the thing around, you know, sort of throwing the thing out a window. <laughs> I know Sony has used it in in ex, extre, extraneous is that the word tests? Yes, uh, out airplanes, uh, help, you know, uh, where the tape would just wrap around the heads and just get destroyed um the xd cam i think is just an awesome piece of technology
0: okay. and i have one and you have one it's it's yeah. an it's an awesome camera to have as far as the specs go i, I can never afford one now do you wish you had this camera on 911 and and would have you, would have your shots have been different or, or the techniques that well
2: you would... yeah the, the camera well the camera technology is so much past the beta sp technology the camera head is much different. The uh, the sensitivity, the the, the the pictures are higher, much higher resolution, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, the difference between tape and the disc is um, more in editing, where uh, with a disc, like a record, you can pick anything you want. On the, um, I've got a, a fold-out mon- a little monitor that the actually the DVD that the uh, never had and it's got uh the possibility of thumbnails which on tape you can't do.
0: Beautiful.
1: No, so
2: It's really it's pretty amazing.
0: Now your camera here in the picture on your website at alpdigital.com you're all covered right. up but your camera's not covered up. I mean did you have dust uh, my problems? producer
2: took yeah my producer took that picture huh. and I use it. Okay. Um yeah it's the only picture I have of myself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it wasn't covered up at all. So was was dust a problem with your equipment? And how did you protect your camera from all the debris? Uh,
2: basically, you know, the, the the way that Sony makes cameras, I guess they're all pretty much alike that way. Uh, I didn't have much camera problem. The lens would get dusty I mean, every day, I clean everything down. Mm. I would find myself, and, and you know what? As a cameraman, uh, I learned early doing news and and documentary work because you're looking through an eyepiece you tend to to feel yourself in a very false sense of security i've been in situations where uh, i was in the middle of flying plate glass windows and all kinds of weird stuff and somehow i was at uh, hostage situations in the past where Mm. people were you know out in the street firing guns and I would run into the middle of it, and my man would pull me back. And you know, <laughs> sometimes in the early days, you don't realize. I mean, so this was later on in my life. I I try to stay out of trouble, but still, to get the shot, sometimes you do stupid things.
1: Well, mm-hmm.
2: sometimes you just have to do what you have to do. And as the buildings were being pulled down, I'd be standing there, and this dust of debris and stuff would be flying all over me and i'm standing there getting a shot that's uh-huh. why that mask really was important.
0: Mm. Now, would you I say th- so well. What was it? What was the dumbest thing that you did there? I mean, what was uh I mean, looking through the lens, what was kind of the most uh i don't want to say dumbest, maybe the most uh, dangerous shot that you took that you didn't realize until someone on your crew uh, told you.
2: I I think your dumbest was good. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> I went into the PATH train, and it was all blocked off with police tape. I wasn't supposed to be there. But I saw a hole. <laughs> and I, I saw a hole, and I saw a shot. And I thought there was a, quiet, a little bit light. I had a little light on me, and I just crawled into the hole and went down into the subway just to see what it looked like. And when I realized that uh, anything could be just falling down on me at any moment, and I would have been down there, I realized how stupid that was. But mm-hmm. I got the shot.
0: <laughs> you got the shot. That's the most important right. part. Now, what influenced you to get some of these shots? Was it? I know some. This is close to where you live, uh, and some events happened earlier that kind of was emotional for you. Now, was this all business? The shots that you were taking, or were you trying to uh, have a message in your video? Or what was actually going on in your mind during the time you were t- videotaping?
2: Well, you know, when you when you're shooting, you're thinking as a cameraman, and you're you're composing shots. I mean. In in a very odd way, there's a beauty in in destruction, and you know uh, I'm looking through the lens to get not just not just the business end of what's going on, but I'm composing shots too sometimes. Hmm. Sometimes you know it depends on what I'm looking at. Um, I I know that uh, I hope I don't get anybody in trouble for saying this. A lot of the cops, a lot of the firemen that were down there, they really... Uh, you know what? Working with a mask on, it's very, very difficult. And a lot of these guys felt like they couldn't really deal with it. Mm. And also, a lot of them were smokers. A lot of them uh, would take it off in the middle of this whole thing and have a cigarette. Those are the guys that are probably getting sick now.
1: Mm.
2: Um, it, you know, they'd sit down in the debris and have a slice of pizza. <laughs> uh, the, the Red Cross and... and uh, And a lot of these other agencies were really great. They had places for us in schools and and other uh, places for us to eat, to clean up, uh, to sit for a little while. But, you know, sometimes you don't want to leave the situation. You're in the middle of things. You just take off the mask and eat something. Or, you know, in this case, some of these guys had a smoke, and it was probably not a good idea. It's very hard to work with a mask on. Uh, But, again, as a cameraman, you just, you know, You'd huff and puff through the mask, and sometimes I took it off because it's in the way. Uh, but you're part artist and part documentarian, and um, I think depending on what I'm looking at, you know, some of the debris are composed to make an interesting shot out of it, I guess. Uh, when somebody was pulling a body out, I wasn't looking at art. I was just looking at cool. documenting it.
0: Mm. And were they, did they welcome you there when you were kind of right, you know, right there, videotaping you know, an event like the, that?
2: Very interesting question Um, for the most part I was I was the only guy walking around with a camera and I had police passes and I went got everything but there were times where they looked at me as the enemy Mm. with a camera because uh, I know the fire department was very very particular Uh, they were um, very respectful of the dead that were coming out and I was as well but I felt very strongly that I wanted to document what they were doing. Um, and with all respect, I wanted to be there shooting while they formed lines and the, they carried the, the coffin into the ambulance. And well, Not a coffin. It was a stretcher with a cover on it. Mm, but, body bag. Uh, they looked at me and they made me stop shooting. And I saw opportunities where if I saw that was going to happen. I'd run far away, set up somewhere where I was out of their sight, try to get on the long end of the lens and, and shoot what they were doing. Because I think it was important to document how they operated, the respect that they had, and it never faltered. Mm. And I think if I didn't shoot that, uh, it never would have been there. I mean, we wouldn't have known as much. I mean, uh, I think everything had to be
0: shot. mm now, did you did you feel as a as a documentary uh, documentary filmmaker or videographer, whatever you, whatever you see yourself as being there, did you feel a sense of pride as the only one actually capturing history?
2: Yeah, I I, I felt it was a very important part of the process. Mm. Um, you know, the, the the media has changed all of our lives, and I thought that this was a very important piece of history, and I felt, yeah, I definitely felt the pride that I was there
0: to do
2: it. I was glad that they asked me.
0: Now, they call this the pit, and did you at all get arrested? I mean, did you get to that level at all?
2: The very, the day it happened, I was not working. I watched it on TV. But um, I had a very strong feeling that I had to be there. I had lost my sister in the KAL 007 that was shot down over the Sakhalin Islands in '83, Mm -hmm. and I know what it's like to go to a cemetery and have nothing buried there, have no body to to Mm. honor. You know, I felt that there was going to be thousands of people in that situation, aside from my own feeling of nationalism and all that other kind of stuff. So I went down the next day with my still camera. And I went for a police pass. It took me hours of walking across Manhattan twice. I got a basic police pass and worked my way into the pit. Um, And even with a police pass, I was taking photographs, and one of them is on my website, the one with the flag. And within a a fraction of a second, my camera was off of my neck. My hands were behind my back and handcuffs. It took, it it was a flash. It was, these guys are so well trained. And what are you doing here? Well, I'm taking pictures. For who? Uh, I said, Well, I'm the local six hundred, I just self appointed, I came down, I felt I had to be here. Well, they really put me through the the mill and I've seen them take other there was another guy, they took his camera and put it on the ground, and stepped on it. Oh man. Uh, because I you know, I lost my sister, I had her camera. Wow. It, if they had done that, it was a Nicomat, it was a beautiful camera, mm-hmm. I would have been very upset. But um they didn't. My My local brothers from uh, Local 52 were there as well, and they donated a lot of the lighting that was uh, lighting the place up. They had big jennies and they had a lot of big lights, and um, I guess they felt, well, okay, you know, let this guy go. Um, So I left, and I got a couple of rolls of film, and um, within the next two weeks, I was down there full time employed with them. Uh, At this point, I had all my credentials, and I was documenting the whole thing. But that one day, it was kind of scary.
0: Yeah, they did. Again, I
2: felt I just had to be there.
0: Now, Alan, um, what other equipment did you use? I mean, obviously, you shot during the day, and at night, they had the lighting, so you didn't need any lighting. You were alone, or did you have a crew with you, a sound crew? How did that? I work? had one other guy who carried a tripod. I had just a camera mic. And that was it?
2: There was no, uh, no other crew. It was different for me, because I'm used to big crews, I'm used to uh, camera dollies and lighting trucks. And this was just me and a camera and and a guy walking around with me just to help carry the load.
0: Now, where does where this footage actually go? It went into a documentary? Is there something that we can purchase online or take a look at online? Where did all this you video know, go?
2: I wish I could have access to it. They might uh, make, make it accessible to... Uh, to other stations, to other filmmakers, uh, I thought I even recognized some of my shots on some PBS footage. Uh, I, I don't know.
1: Hmm. I,
2: I wish I had it, but uh, I shot—I don't know—hundreds of
0: tapes. Wow! So that you'll never see it again, basically.
2: Not knowingly. Uh, I did go. I do have um, a little DV, uh, uh, DV cam, um, PB. Uh, A PD one hundred and fifty. It's a little Sony. Yeah, the Sony. And I brought that a couple of times. And when I would stop shooting, I pull that out and shoot some stuff for myself, because I wanted some of my own footage for my own reel. So I did. I did keep a little of it.
0: Hmm. Interesting. It's too bad that we can't see any of this footage. That's just kind of that's weird, (laughs) kind of in a way. I guess you you, you got you, you got hired. And, you know, you were hired to do a job, and, you know, you did your artistic work and your documentary of the entire event, and then you just never see it again. I guess that's just part of the job.
2: It's part of the job in, in most cases. Uh, most of the stuff I shoot, unless I catch it on TV, um, I don't... Usually I turn over the work to the client, and that's it. So
0: now how many ta- kind you of used to it. How many tapes did you end up with?
2: I would say 200, wow. 300, I don't really know. And, and you are really- all... 30 minute tapes.
0: And you were there day in and day out. Did you sleep there or you had somewhere to sleep?
2: I would go there. Sometimes I'd get there at 3 in the morning and work a 10 hour day. Sometimes I'd get there in the middle of the night. Sometimes in the middle of the afternoon. It depends. I, I would do uh, I did a couple of weeks without stop. I, I would you know, work for 10 hours, sleep for 6, work for 10. I was crazy. And finally I burnt out and I would just have to go home for the 10 hours and just you know, I would alternate. Uh, uh, you know, other cameramen started coming in to take my place. Mm. Cause it was just too much.
0: Yeah, it's exhausting. I mean, it's just information it overload. I mean, emotionally and physically.
2: With, yeah, it's, it's you're walking around with all that equipment, the mask, the coat, it was cold. You know, boots, and the whole thing. And you're walking on fire. I mean, the place was still smoking. And, uh, and it was, uh, it was very, very difficult. And then, you're feeling all these emotions you feel you you, you see you see so much loss mm. and you see so much pain and I walk the streets and I see people uh up at St Vincent's Hospital that putting pictures up of people that, that were missing and and you know that you're in there and you're helping looking for it because you know aside from just shooting stuff, I'm also scanning to see if I see anything, and I'm on the long end of the lens looking to see if I see uh a hole or a something or any kind of sign of anything. And it was just, just an emotional quagmire of
1: yeah.
0: crazy feelings.
2: It's crazy. It's very horrible. And the pain in people's faces and the, and the, the just,
0: disbelief. The it, yeah. was, it was really terrible. I can imagine. I mean, I, I just saw it here. I'm in the Boston area. And now you live in New York, so this you know was even closer to home, literally.
2: Well, it affected a lot of us because a lot of people that worked in neighborhoods were lost.
0: Now, did you ever find anybody? Did you? Were you? Were you ever kind of like an ass, assisted in a recovery operation and kind of put your camera down at that point, or did you just keep it on your shoulder all the time?
2: No, I was. That was not my place. My place was to take pictures. Okay. And uh, I didn't. I didn't see anybody's hand coming out. I mean, there was nothing dramatic like that. Uh, but when the firefighters were coming out, I would try to be there and film them doing what they were doing. Hmm. Um, and then also, they, you know, some of my footage was used for real estate purposes. They wanted to see damage. They wanted to see what was going on. They wanted to see how things were progressing. Uh, I guess it was reviewed all the time mm. for different reasons. Uh, and there was a lot, a lot of area to cover. So you were walking, not just the pit, but the whole surrounding area, which all pretty much of the whole west side of um, Wall Street,
1: ah.
2: from Trinity Church on all the way through to the to the water pretty much to the Hudson, I mean there was a lot of ground to cover. there was a lot of destruction yeah. you don't realize when something like that of that magnitude comes down how far reaching i mean i was I was on the other side of town by um, almost by the i was actually I went to the East River from the west side to the east side of that part of Manhattan was completely covered in debris wow and I took a lot of still pictures of, of like feet walking through three or four inches of, of soot on the east side. Like snow. Like snow, like dirty snow. Things were covered. I've got some very interesting photographs. I'll try to uh, scan them and send you a few.
0: Yeah, if you can. Of
2: uh, people just looking. In the, of somebody wrote in the car, WW3 on a windshield. Yeah. Uh, it, was just, it, it was far-reaching. And there were other problems, too, that they don't talk about. There was a very bad rat problem. And uh, the mice went downtown because all the restaurants were closed, obviously. And the mice took over. But there was a a huge, unspeakable rat problem in the pit. It was just so many levels of of problems. And then I had nightmares about that for for months.
0: I I would imagine.
2: Because I had shots for the World Trade Center on something else, on some construction they were doing. I was documenting something in the parking area way underground. And that was a couple of months before. I also covered the bombing after the thing was bombed. I was there.
0: You were there with a video camera?
2: Yeah. Well, right after I came down and I got shots. And uh, you realize how how the thinking goes. You know, right after the truck blew up under there, the um, Port Authority put cameras all around the periphery of the building pointing down. they thinking, well, the truck came, maybe there's another truck, so we're going to take pictures of it next time. They never thought of pointing <laughs> up.
0: <laughs> well, Alan, I thank you for your time, and uh, again, you're an interesting person to talk to. Now, if anybody, I mean, can people contact you for for work? I mean, they can go to your website at alp. Uh, go to my
2: website. I have a, a young person redoing my website now. I did that. I don't, website's not my forte. I just put on there what I thought was necessary, but it, it'll be up until a new one's up, and uh, you can get some information uh, and contact me, sure.
0: Very good. Eight, Always
2: looking for work. Always eight, looking for interesting work. Of course. This time in my life, um, I'm looking for things that I like to do. You know, I've done so much that uh, I try to just pick and choose now the stuff I find interesting, and... The stuff that has meaning
0: for me. And your website, again, is alpdigital.com, and we'll put a link to that in the show notes of the podcast. And I especially like the link here. It says YXDCAM. You have a good explanation on your website.
2: Uh, yeah. Well, I'll leave that up for a while.
0: <laughs> <laughs> leave the picture there, too, because I still need it. <laughs> yes, I will. All right, Alan, now, that's thank not going to change
2: for a couple of weeks.
0: Okay. Alan, thank but you. Good
2: luck the show. Thank you for talking to me.
0: Yes, thank you, Alan. You have a wonderful day.
2: Thank you. you
0: thank you. Well, that does it for another show. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Now, if you have questions related to this program, digital video, or would just like to drop us a line, visit the contact page on our website. We answer email very quickly and would be more than happy to assist you. Our passion here is to assist you in all areas of video production, and your questions and feedback are really important to us. Hey, let us know how we're doing and what you would like to hear on this podcast. I'll talk to you next time. The TV show is a proud member of the Tech Podcasting Network.
2: Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com.
1: It's my little escape.
2: Now Judy's the life of the party.
1: Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon.
2: Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs>